You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So this, this is a rather difficult chapter in our little journey through Thessalonians. And so I'm going to approach some things carefully and gently, but I'm also going to approach them, I think, in the way Paul is approaching them, which is direct, directly and truthfully. Um, not, not everything we read in the Bible is stuff we necessarily like. But Paul's, Paul's tone in this book is very encouraging. And so I think e- even though we're going to hear some stuff that can, is pretty, pretty strong, pretty direct, I hope we hear encouragement because it's like the gospel is always good news. Now, even, in your, even in, when we're being corrected, it's good news because what he's offering us is something better. And so whatever you hear from God today, remember, the gospel is good news. And with the life he offers you is always better than the one you can create on your own. I also want to say this. Today's going to be uh, PG-13. So if you have a kid in the room, you're about to learn something, kiddos. <laughs> That's good, though. You'll be all right. Better here than at school. Um, all right. So let's, let, let's, let's... Now, Paul is about to deal with some very specific issues. So we're going to jump in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. As for other matters, brothers and sisters. So he said, we've been talking about some things. Now we're going to talk about some other things. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God, just as, in fact, you are living. Now we're going to ask and urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of our Lord Jesus. Okay, <clears throat> so Paul says in, in verse 1 there, it's, you've received instructions on how you ought to walk or how you ought to live. So what Paul is about to walk us through is is how we should live as Christians. And what we're going to see from Paul is this. Paul would not be a fan of compartmentalizing your Jesus life. And y'all are going to know I'm talking about because I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. We've all had this part of our life or maybe a season where Jesus was a box in our life, right? But then there were other boxes. And so there was like my Jesus life, and then there was my work life, and then there was my relationships and my sex life or whatever over here, you know, and then there's my free time life and my hobby life. And so we had a bunch of different boxes, and we kept Jesus in his box. And what Paul is going to say today is this. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are in Christ, then you cannot compartmentalize Christ. Life with him must affect every other part of your life. He said that that should be your direction as a Christian. You're moving to a place where life with Christ is just life and everything. And today he's talking about your your sex life and jobs. Everything should be affected by this relationship with Christ. You can't hold some things back from him, even though we've all tried, right? Am I in the right place? Let me make sure. We've all tried. And so what he's going to say is, it's not going to work for you very long. And so let me give you some context of of what's going on in Thessalonica at this point. Paul's about to to talk to this young church in Thessalonica, and and this city is a very, very sexually charged city. Okay, there's, in in every pagan temple, they'd worship uh, goddesses, and and they would have prostitutes in the temples, and, and it's just like anything went And so these people had been brought up their whole lives in a community uh, thinking that whatever you wanted to do sexually was okay. And not all of it was consensual. There were slaves, people who were enslaved into sex. I mean, it was just, it's a horrible, difficult place where anything at all goes sexually. If you want it, you can have it, especially if you had some money. 
And as I'm reading this about this world where anything can go sexually and where the lines are all blurred, I was like, man, I'm sure glad the world's not like that anymore. <laughs> right? So I was like, maybe, maybe this is a word for us today. Now, not only do we live in a sexually charged environment, we've got cell phones. All right? And I mean, my gosh. Y'all know pornography is a $50 billion a year industry. That's a B, billion, $50 billion a year. And many of the people in these pornographic videos are actually enslaved into it. They're trafficked into these situations. And, and, and so what we see in our country today is that sex sells, right? And the other thing we see is that everybody's buying it. A lot of people are buying it. Matter of fact, 7 out of 10 people in this room today, not just men, women, have, have difficulties with pornography. It's a struggle for you. And so we see that he, the message that was then is still a message today. And so this is the place Paul is writing a letter into. And listen to what he says again in that same 4-1. He says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, I urge you in the Lord Jesus, you've received instruction on how you ought to walk. And he, he says, you've received instruction. I've told you about this. Like, so no one can go, well, we didn't know. We didn't know that was wrong, you know. He said, no, no, I instructed you on this. And I was very clear about this. And I, I think we have this, but we need to remember this. The, the people Paul were talking to, a message on sexual purity was brand new for them. Because again, most of them had been raised in a world where you did whatever you wanted and that was okay. And so for these people, it was a new message. Y'all you know there's a point in the Old Testament, and some of you who are like Bible scholars, in the Old Testament, there's a point where I think it's Moses writes people and says, hey, listen, you can't have sex with animals. And for somebody, that, that was news, right? So Paul is telling people something that we may say, oh, we know that. The problem for us is not that we're uninformed. The problem for us is that we just don't trust God. Because he's really clear in this about what is right and what is righteous for us. And so let's, let's jump in and let's see where we end up and... Um, I love doing sermons like this. I can't wait for them. Here we go. It is God's will. Go verse 3. It is God's will that you are sanctified. Okay, so let me ask you all a quick question. What is God's will for your life? That you're sanctified. It is God's will that you are sanctified. And sanctified means you are made holy. You are made righteous. We were not born righteous. I don't care what your mommy told you. We are not naturally righteous. And so it is God's will that we would be sanctified, made holy, set apart, um, Christ-like. That is God's will for our life. So, so that is God's will. He says it is God's will that you should be sanctified. You should, and then he goes, that you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who don't know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instructions does not reject a human, but God. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Okay, now we have some options here. We can take this and go, man, that was for a place and a time. Or we can see a consistent message over and over and over in the Bible that for whatever reason, 
God cares deeply about the way we express our sexual desires. And this is a consistent teaching. And again, I think Paul would say, my instructions on this are clear. I've shown them to you over and over. And I think if we look at the Bible, we look at the message on this, we see a clear and consistent teaching that the only God-ordained expression of, of our sexual desire is within the covenant of a male-female married monogamous relationship. And I think we would see in the Bible that anything outside of that covenant will bring us pain. And do you know how I know that's true? The same reason you know it's true. Because I have experienced great pain when I have strayed outside of what God's plan for my life is. And so where it says God will punish you on this, don't you know that's true? It's called natural consequences. I can have Miss Clarissa talk about them. It's conscious discipline, right? We know about natural consequences. For those of us who have, who, have, who have strayed outside of God's plan for sex, for those of us who had sex before we were married or whatever, we know there is pain associated with this. This isn't God trying to deny us fun. This is God protecting us and preserving us and sanctifying us. And so I, I think God wants us to hear this. You can't compartmentalize this part of your life. He cares about all of it. And so, but, but I want you to hear this, because I think this is a letter of encouragement, and so I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I, I know many of you in this room have walked away from situations that you knew weren't righteous, and I just want to encourage you. Man, you're fighting the good fight. I know many of you in this room are, are abstaining from desires right now, things that you would like to do because you trust God and you want to honor Him, so I just want to encourage you. Keep fighting the good fight. I know there's men in this room right now, and you are struggling. with The facts are there are men in this room who are struggling with pornography right now, and you're fighting. You're not giving in. You haven't accepted this as righteous and holy. It bothers you, but you're fighting the fight, and I want to encourage you. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. God cares about this. So some of you, you know, you're, you're looking forward to a day when you're going to get married, and you're not taking shortcuts right now. I want to encourage you because it is hard, and it is challenging, but God wants to honor you in this. God wants to do something special in this part of your life. He's not trying to harm you. He's trying to protect you. And I know. <laughs> and so do many of you. I also want to say this. Maybe there's someone in this room who's, who is harmed by the sexual choices of someone else. God sees you. God sees you. And God wants to make you righteous and clean. And God understands and he's there and he's loving you and he's restoring you. And he's wiping away all of those things. I also want to say this. Maybe you're in this room. And, and, and you're living a life of sexual morality. And, and you refuse to turn from it. At some point you must understand this is sin. And it is our desire for you to be here no matter where you are on this journey. Because truth is we're in all different places. No matter where you are on this journey we want you here. But it is our desire that you would be sanctified. It is our desire that you would experience healing. Not because we think we're better than you, but because we know the pain you're headed towards. It is our desire that you would turn to God in this part of your life. As I was writing this, I thought, man, I wished he would have written something else. It's the last thing I want to preach on. I mean, we're going to talk about, today we're going to talk about sex, hard work, and the end of the world, all in one chapter. I was like, couldn't you have kind of dipped your toe in the water, kind of taken your time a little bit? But this is what Paul has chosen to do. And, and here, here's the truth, guys. We are real people in a real world. 
and the, and the struggle in this, in this part of our life, the struggle is real. And if, if you're sitting up in a booth pointing a finger at everyone else in this part of your life, I would caution you to continue, uh, maybe stop casting stones. Because God forbid that part of your life is exposed. Be careful that we cast stones at people in this part. Because we've all struggled and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Verse 9. This is good, too. Okay, now about your love. So, so he's covered living the way I want you to live, sexually. And now he goes, now about your love for one another. We don't need to write you about that. You're, it's been taught by God, and you're loving each other. And I think what he's saying right there is you're becoming sanctified. The Holy Spirit has created in you a heart that can love because only God can do that. Only God can make you love in a way that's agape and without uh, expectation of return. Only God can do that. And so he's saying you're being made righteous in your love. And then he says, and in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more. Okay, so, so what he's saying is, yes, you're loving people. Yeah, oh, wow, way to go. Great job. You're loving people. Yet we still want to urge you to live like Christians. Y'all know how many times in my life I hid behind I'm loving people? Like, I've had conversations, God, I know that this area of my life over here is a complete wreck, but I love people. And God's like, okay, it's a commandment, yes, and it's the greatest commandment, but it's not the only one. It'd be like, you know, I'm driving 70, the speed limit is 60, and I'm driving 60. Look, I'm doing it perfectly, but you're driving down the wrong side of the road. You're obeying one law, but there's other ones. And so if you're driving 60 down the wrong side of the road, you're still going to end up in a pickle. You with me? And so what he's saying is, man, I'm so glad you love people. Good job. But you still got to live like Christians. You can't hide behind that. Matter of fact, your love will be expressed by your holiness. Now, verse 11. This is great, guys. You're going to love this. <laughs> and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. Amen. You should mind your own business and get to work. Do something with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you won't be dependent on anybody. He says, yeah, 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 you know, I love people. Great, great, great. Now get to work. Go do something. Work. If you have the ability to work, hear me on this. Someone get ready. Someone write this down. If you have the ability to work, you should, in fact, be working. <laughs> you should be working if you can work. If that is an ability you have. What the Thessalonians were doing was they were like, well, Jesus is coming back again, so we're just going to wait for him. They were so heavenly, they were of no earthly good, right? They were just waiting for Jesus. And he's like, while you're waiting, why don't you go to work and show people how Christians are to act in the world? And so he's like, no, I get to work. Because when we don't work, you know what we end up doing? Getting in other people's business. <laughs> we got time on our hands, and we're scrolling the people of Sheridan Page. <laughs> right? Oh, I'm reading it. I'm reading it. I'm waiting for y'all to come after me. Beep, 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 beep. 
You know what I want to say every time I, yeah, get to work. That's what I want to say. <laughs> get off your computer. Someone is paying you to do a job. You got to push it away. Right? We got time to meddle in other folks' business. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I need you to get to work. But again, this is encouragement. And so I want to encourage some of you. Because the, the truth is, one of the greatest places we can witness to the power of Christ is in our workplaces. It's one of the greatest places we can go and witness. I mean, it's good that we act like Jesus in here. That's something. But go to your work and be Christ for the work. And that's happening in this. I, I, know, I know a lady, she, she's a lawyer, and she was leading a Bible study at her workplace. I know a lady in the medical profession, and she, she's praying with patients day after day. I know plumbers who are witnessing to Christ. I know teachers who are witnessing to Christ. I know coaches who are witnessing. We have infiltrated the workspaces. That's what we were always designed to do. Not just keep it here, but go out. That's somebody's job calling right now. Where are you? Why aren't you here? Sorry, I'm at church. That's not an excuse. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Verse, uh, let's, go to, let's go to verse 13. Okay, so, so, so this is really interesting right here, by the way. And some of you grew up in church. You're about to love where we're going. People are new to church. You don't care. So just everyone just pay attention for just a minute. All right, so, so he's writing to, to the Thessalonian church. They've lost some loved ones, okay? They've lost some people they cared about. And they believe Christ is coming again, which we should all believe. Everyone should believe that. And what they're worried about is that their loved ones who've already died aren't going to get to experience this amazing day when Christ returns. And so he's writing to them to encourage them about this moment when Christ is going to come back again. And so it says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep. Remember that word. So that you will not grieve, as indeed the rest of mankind who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead... So also God will bring with him those who have been asleep in Jesus. Okay, there's a fallen asleep. You see that? When, 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 when they talked about death, they used the term fallen asleep. Because they're not talking about soul death. And it, you, you can go and they're talking about bodily death. And what he's saying is one day your body will fall asleep. But what typically happens when you go to sleep? You wake up, right? And so what he's saying is one day your body is going to go to sleep, but your body will one day awaken. The Bible doesn't talk about soul sleep. It talks about body sleep because to be absent from the body is to be present with the king. So there's this understanding in the Bible that one day uh, our soul will be with God in some mysterious way and our body will be asleep, but there will be a day when we are reunited with our body because the end goal is God's making all things new. And if you have a body in this life that doesn't work like it's supposed to, he's going to give you a glorified body one day. It's going to do exactly what it was supposed to do. And God's going to reunite these things in a restored earth. That's the end goal of the story. And so although your body sleeps, and let, let me tell you this too, and I believe this with everything in my heart. God can restore your body no matter what. From dust you came to dust you may return. And one day from dust you will be formed again. So for those of you who are struggling with that, I think God's got it. I think God can handle that. All right, let's get into the rest of this passage. This is where it gets, this is where we'll all be fully united. 
Verse 15. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay, I want to make five statements about this passage. And if you write notes, I want you to write these down. Because these are the five statements that matter, in my opinion, about this passage. And the first statement is this. Christ is coming back again. Okay, Christ is coming back again. We, we, we all, he's coming back again. That's number one. Number two, he's coming for his church. He's coming for me and he's coming for you. He's coming to restore the church. Number three, if you have loved ones who are in Christ, they will not miss it when Christ comes again. They will not miss it. They, they will not miss out. Your loved ones who've died before, and I know we think about this, they will experience this moment with you. The fourth thing is this. When he comes again, it will be a glorious moment. It, it will be amazing. He's not coming back like a, like a six-pound, eight-ounce baby. Right? He's coming back like the king of the universe. And it will be a glorious moment when Christ comes back again. And the fifth point I want to make about this is, therefore, comfort one another with these words. This passage of Scripture, and some of you know, some of you don't, that's okay. This passage of Scripture has divided more people. It doesn't say, therefore, divide from one another with these words. It doesn't say argue with one another. It says, comfort one another with these words. And so I want to encourage you because I know some of you have dogmatic opinions about Scripture. Like you have dogmatic opinions about one thing or another thing, and yet you are worshiping together. You're laying down a little of your dogma on non-essential points for the purpose of rallying around that which is essential, and that is the Christ. And so I just want to congratulate you that you're not letting dogma cloud your ability to love people. But we're to use this verse to comfort and encourage one another that although this world is difficult and although we're abstaining from some things in this world and although we're having to work and we're fighting and sometimes my job isn't fun, Christ is coming back again. He's going to make all these things right. One day, one day, this, this whole world as we know it will be restored. And there will be no tears or crying. There will be no shame. There will be no guilt. No greed, no racism, no pride. Just one body of believers worshiping the King. United forever as we were always intended to be. And no matter how many times you've, you've stepped out of God's grace, no matter how many times we've failed, you can be part of this number because God desires to restore. God desires to to make you holy. God desires to sanctify. And there's not a person in this room who has out his ability to heal. There's not a person in this room who has out his ability to love. He wants you. You're in this place today because of the spirit of the living God has called your name. And one day this whole world as we know it will be made righteous again. We're real people, Right? And we live in a real world, and the struggle is real. 
but so is our God. And there is real healing. And there is real hope. But we must really turn from the life we're living and turn towards him. This is real life for those who belong to Christ. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.